I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Dr. Tiffany Dursey. Today, we would like to welcome back Dr. Peter Conlon. Dr. Conlon was the second director of the OVC Primary Healthcare Centre, and he was very instrumental in the growth and development of this centre. He is also the past Associate Dean of Students at OVC, and he continues to promote the importance of primary care in the veterinary curriculum. Welcome back, Dr. Peter Conlon. Thank you, Dr. Dursey. We had a great conversation last time about primary care and the primary health care centre and why it's so important in the curriculum. Um, and today, uh, we wanted to focus on the future of primary care. Veterinary medicine has grown so much since I graduated 20 years ago. The interesting thing about being a vet is the scope of practice is so large, and that's really exciting. Um, students learn everything from surgery, dentistry, dermatology, cardiology, etc. And it's a really wonderful part um, of veterinary medicine, but it also requires the modern veterinarian to be knowledgeable in so many different areas. And it means that we have to keep up in so many different areas too. Do you think that having such a large scope of practice is sustainable? It's, it's just a, a huge, a huge question. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, clearly it's been a long time since I practiced, but um, in, in thinking about it, uh, I, I think veterinarians can't possibly know everything that they need to know every day. And mm-hmm. there's some stuff that you, I know you always keep with you and it's, it's right there at hand. Um, but I, I, I think that being able to, to, you know, find information, interpret it, analyze it, apply it uh, and communicate it is really what is key to being a, a primary care Mm -hmm. veterinarian and you know I know that successful veterinarians are primary that's what that's what you do and your your brains are so amazing that you do that um and when I I would think you come across something like wow I don't know being able to find out where that is and what that inf- is you know is that is it even known I mean is it known by anybody um because probably often it isn't right and, and it's just you know you gotta sort of figure out well what 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 could this what could this be i you know in thinking about what would there be a different model i, I always think clients need a first point of contact right with the veterinary healthcare system the same as we have our family physicians we go to them and they you know help us out and as much as as they can okay. and then triage us and send us to to other other areas but i and they also have to have to think as what is what is this what what could this be and right. and what what do i know what what don't i know um and and so i think that uh, it must be hugely stressful sometimes trying to sometimes. Try to, <laughs> try to keep on top of <laughs> all, to all, of all that of all that sure. stuff um but i I think, and especially now with, you know, artificial intelligence and, mm-hmm. and all of those 
um, you know, tech, technology to, to support us. I mean, it probably brings in more information sometimes. Possibly. Certainly clients, <laughs> certainly clients bring it in because right? they're, they're asking you now to sort through mm-hmm. some massive amount of, of, you know, Dr. Google information. Right. And you're trying to, trying to deal with that and sort the wheat from the, the chaff, I'm sure. Um, but other than thinking, you know, well, would there be a whole bunch of like specialty clinics and right. clients have to pick? Well, I think it's my dog's heart or right. I think it's its skin or I mean, it's would be impossible. Does it, does, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It doesn't necessarily help you feeling that, you know, you have to know all this, all this stuff. Uh, but I think it's the underlying it's not memorization and it's really the right. underlying how you think about things mm-hmm. that makes you a successful primary care veterinarian veterinarian um and probably that's the richness of it as well i would sure. i would think as to why are you, you doing this and not you know doing specialty or practice limited or you know something something along along those lines yeah. um, i don't know is that anywhere near to I, I think so. Like I, I think absolutely. Like I think, um, you know, like the one amazing thing about general practice is that there, you know, there's so much variety. Yeah. Um, and I love that I can, you know, still do surgery. Surgery is yeah. really exciting yeah. to me. Um, uh, but also the medical appointments, the development yeah. of relationships, all the different different aspects. Um, but you're quite right. Like I, you know, I always say to the final year students, um, that it's really, really important to confirm a proper problem list. Mm. So what are the problems at hand? Number them, um, detail them. Um, and then, you know, we always get obsessed with, you know, what, what is the disease and what is, how do I help the animal? But sometimes we have to back up the train and say, okay, Let's really look at this. What do we gather from our history and our physical exam and mm-hmm. make a really detailed problem list? And then we can better understand what diagnostics are available to us. And yeah. then we can say, okay, maybe we need to do some blood work or some x-rays. And mm. we're always looking for the final answer, but yeah. sometimes we don't have that. And so, I, you know, again, I think you're quite right that it's a matter of being resourceful. And um, a lot of times I don't know the answer, but I certainly know where to find the answer. Yeah. And like you said, with the accessibility of, of uh, you know, the internet and all these different resources, mm-hmm. it certainly becomes easier. Um, but I do have to say that sometimes, um, um, you know, I, I, I do think uh, that the expectations of us are so grand. Yeah. And uh, and like you said, I think uh, sometimes I have to say to myself, you know what, I am the first opinion yeah. um, and I am going to try to do the best that I can uh, within, you know, the resources that I have available mm-hmm. within the context of knowing, you know, what I personally, what my limitations are. Yeah. And so knowing your own personal limitations are important. Um, and Sometimes that could mean, you know, hey, uh, actually, um, Omar's better at dentistry, mm-hmm. so I'm going to in, you know, get his input or, sure. you know, Shannon's fantastic with uh, ophthalmology and mm-hmm. behavior. So I'll go contact yeah. her and yeah. my kind of interest is rehab. So as a team, and I think you had said that in your last yeah. podcast, I think it's being resourceful amongst your team. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes knowing your limit limitations yeah, and saying, you know absolutely. what, uh, you know, this, this surgery is too much yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and maybe I need to, uh, you know, to go to a, a referral practice. Yeah. And so then I, you know, call over to my friends at OBC at the companion animal hospital mm-hmm. and, and and again, refer. Yeah. Um, but there is just so much to know. And I do see that the students feel sometimes overwhelmed by the amount of knowledge. And I usually say, hey, just, you know, just yeah. take it easy. It's okay. Take it easy on yourself. Yeah. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know where to get help yeah. or where to find answers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think in this practice too, you're, you pick 
to to focus on some areas more than sure. others, right? Where you're comfortable. I mean, I guess there's yeah, always going to be gray zone. Sure. Like this practice ref, refers these types of things, and a, right. another practice would do those those uh, sure. cases, and another might do less. But everybody gets their own personal personal zone, and yep. where there's you know fuzzy limits, and then clear limits, yeah, and then and then uh, you know the practice also has fuzzy limits, and then oh no, yeah, or absolutely, absolutely. we'll do that, or yeah. nope. That's, Not, that's, yeah, maybe that's something else. we can do. And I think for students, they, they're going to have to establish mm-hmm. um, that themselves um, um, by for a sure. little bit of trial and error. And probably, you know, just to feel, does this feel right? Did that go well or mm-hmm. or, or didn't it? And um, yeah, wow, I can't wait till another one of those comes through the door. Absolutely. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to do that. Yeah, I think another focus is, Certainly wellness, right? I mean, oh, it, for it's sure. so, um, it, it, you know, primary care is, has got such a huge wellness focus. Mm-hmm. Sure, there you see diseases and sickness. So that that's, you know, the, the balance and how do you, I think it's a whole other area. How do you not only treat an animal that's sick, how right. do you keep an animal well? For which sure. is a, a huge component of primary care just in it in itself and all the preventive preventive medicine and all the behavioral um right. components and and um even you know exercise for for health and sure. so on and on and on i think that's that's really um must be a you know a rewarding piece uh, as well to think to think about Absolutely. The uh, preventative care aspect is just so, uh, so interesting and certainly uh, a relatively new focus, which is kind of sad, I guess, in some ways um, that you're right. Instead of this fire engine medicine that, Mm -hmm. you know, the reality is, is that there's a lot more focus on prevention. And certainly I think our clients are looking for that, um, that type of health care where they would like to prevent disease before it happens. And so, um, you know, that emphasis, I think, is a really exciting part of of general practice. So tell me, um, what skills are required for the modern veterinarian to be successful? And which, which skills do you think are inherent and which skills are learned? I think every skill can be enhanced. Mm-hmm. I think probably people start at various different baselines as to you sure. know how much they and skill sets as to how much they can advance. I would, you know, use like me trying to play the piano as being, uh, you know, because I, I really sure. not very coordinated. And although I've made valued attempts in the past, it's never gone anywhere. So, you know, you got to go, okay, yeah, not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas others just seem to have a natural, you know, to sit down and wait sure. and away they go. Um, but I think, you know, skills, I hope compassion for oneself mm-hmm. and for others is, is just hugely important and, and self first would, Without being selfish, right? Uh, but still taking care of of yourself because if you don't, you can't take care of anyone else or any any other True. animal. I think that's really important. I I don't think we're a particularly self compassionate bunch, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a skill that we always need to need to learn, need to work on. Um, you know, interpersonal skills, just um, working with um, with people. Sure. Um, and animal, you know, uh, enjoying working with animals, mm-hmm. um, enjoying working with people, going to be, you know, a whole range of some that just like, oh, yeah, not again, or <laughs> but oh, I can't wait for them to come in, right? Yeah, it's got to be like true. that. 
Uh, I think cultural competency is is some, certainly something that is really, it, I mean, it's always been important and we finally mm-hmm. recognize how important it is to understand people people's backgrounds, mm-hmm. understand um, their lived experience and what uh, what it's like for them and in, in where they live and mm-hmm. how they live and uh, the communities they live in and how can we help them to be more um, and help their animals more right. appropriately and especially for people who've been you know, marginalized and, and underserviced um, in veterinary medicine through a whole range of factors. You know, how mm-hmm. can we how can we help them uh, in the future? Um, I think being a good time manager has got to be. I mean, oh, yeah. for pretty much anything, it's got to be um, a, a key a key a key skill for for veterinarians and um, just you know that that you draw limits and boundaries as to this is what I will do. This is what I can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is what I choose to do. Not this, not what I should do, Mm -hmm. but what I I choose choose to to do um, in the time available or, you know, in my, this is my work time. This is my private time. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a good point. Got to say communication skills. I mean, with, I, I think without those, then it's just, you can know so much about something if you can't appropriately communicate it to the client True. and to your colleagues and team members, then it's, boy, it's got to be a struggle. Tough. And yeah, and, and so that, um, you know, understanding that and all the components of communication and interpersonal relationships and what that what that means. Um, I think being able to collaborate, especially in like mm-hmm. times like, like now where, there's such a demand for veterinary medicine mm-hmm. um, and for you know, companion animal care and way more than the profession seems to be able to satisfy for the whole range of reasons that I think are are quite well known. Uh, but, you know, collaborating with others, working together as a team, strength yeah. in numbers, strength trying in numbers. not to do it in, you know, yourself, carrying it all yourself. Um I would think, you know, look, looking at, at your team and, and the skill sets of uh, veterinary technicians and how phenomenal mm-hmm. um, they are and Absolutely. how how sometimes I think under underutilized their their skills and knowledge and, sure. and, and aptitudes as part of the part of the team. What you know, within within regulatory you know boundaries and regulations, right. what can they do? Um and you know, trust trust them to be able to do that because they can do it. Oh my gosh! They're just yeah. given a chance, um, and you know, but don't don't have to do everything yourself. I think that's a key a key piece, and because uh, that's got to help your own well being too. When you for sure when you can can delegate yep. and trust and you rely know, on your team and rely on your team. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just uh, so important. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you know, I think all of those can be you know, either formally learned or self-developed or, you know, curricular or extracurricular some, some way. Uh, I think first of all is recognizing them, pay attention. Sure. There's tons of others Mm -hmm. pay attention to them and, you know, honestly evaluate ourselves. So where am I on this scale? Don't assume that, um, you know, and, and uh, ask people for feedback and be, you know, just an honest, positive and, constructive feedback as to okay when you know when we were talking last week and we didn't seem didn't seem to go so well what 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 could I have done differently or you know what could we both have done differently that for sure uh, would have would have helped out there something like that so 
so, so many different skills, soft skills and hard skills that are required to be a veterinarian. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I look at, uh, you know, I graduated 20 years ago now yeah. and, uh, and I, I think how difficult it must be to interview these young people that are interested uh, in becoming mm. veterinarians yeah. um, in, in just all the different aspects of, of, you know, the, of being the modern veterinarian. Uh, but what an exciting time to be a vet. There's yeah. just so many opportunities, um, so many exciting aspects of it. Um, you know, when I look at my colleagues um, in the other building and, and all the exciting research and developments mm-hmm. and, and, you know, education, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty phenomenal place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, we're so fortunate here to be surrounded by all this intellectual energy and activity and, and uh, it just sort of, you know, I think lifts, lifts everybody up to be able to, to know, Oh, wow. There's, I could ask that person yeah. or I could ask for that person and Absolutely. I'm sure they'll know. Yeah, for so, sure. So do you think, like, do you see veterinary hospitals becoming um, even larger, like human hospitals? So for instance, like, you know, at the moment, the mm. general practice, uh, you know, tends to be, um, you know, maybe they have a handful of veterinarians, maybe there's one veterinarian, mm-hmm. um, but now we're seeing specialists within, like actual yeah. specialists yeah. Um, um, within practices and uh, certainly um, maybe more so in the States, but you'll see some really, really super large mm-hmm. practices that maybe have, you know, 20 to 50 veterinarians and multiple floors yeah, and CT yeah. scans and MRIs. Yeah. I mean, who knows, but, yeah. uh, do you see any kind of any, any futuristic oh. kind of thoughts or insight? Yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, certainly there's, a, you know, gotta be a, a strength of sharing equipment, sharing space right. of staffing issues. I, I think as long as the relationship doesn't suffer. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key piece that um, no matter, like I, I, I said, you know, this building is a beautiful and wonderful building. It's just a building. Right. It's without the people in it, it wouldn't, it doesn't give the clients any, they walk into the building and go, wow, what a nice building. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where is everybody? Yeah. Uh, there's nobody here. <laughs> sure. uh, it doesn't do much for them. Sure. So it's the people yeah. that work here. Um, and if the building was 10 times the size, um, you know, I I think as long as people are, are, uh, cared for, treated as individuals, treated as importantly as they are in a small practice and their animals, um, then hopefully they'd still have that, that experience. But I think if they're left to like wander the halls and, you know, don't know where to go. And we've probably all had that experience Mm -hmm. in the human healthcare system where it's like, wow, I just feel completely lost lost here Mm -hmm. i don't even know who to talk to or what to do or where to go then um that that would not that would not be good for sure. Yeah. And I guess when, when I look at my experience as a veterinarian, um, you know, smaller practices, maybe the biggest practice that I worked at, um, you know, maybe had five or six veterinarians mm. at a time. Um, but you're right. I, you know, I think, um, you know, even as a client uh, myself, because I have pets, uh, you know, what I'm looking for is that relationship yeah. and um, having that personal relationship yeah. with my uh, veterinarian and, um, you know, focusing on the healthcare of my mm-hmm. pet and, and myself and my family. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where things go in the future. Um, certainly insofar as primary care education, I think, you know, we continue to have uh, this center and uh, a three-week rotation mm. um, with our, our students. Um, any any insight or thoughts where this program um, should go or is or will be in the future? I, I would like to think mm. that we'll continue, obviously, to have all our final year students um, involved in the aspect of primary care. 
I'm really excited about from what I know so far about the community healthcare mm-hmm. partnerships program right. and and the outreach and how that can tie in with um, primary the care. primary care and the and the PHC and sure. I mean, another uh, another way of looking at primary care mm-hmm. another group of uh, clients that students have the you know the privilege of working with mm-hmm. and um, being able to understand their experiences because this is. Um, you know, one experience that cl- mm-hmm. clients have and student veterinarians have here right. with their clients. But I, I think, um, you know, a sort of a, a, like a, a base and then an, the outreach outreach program. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't know where and how the CHIP program is going to unfold. Mm-hmm. Um, it may, you know, have a standalone facility on its own. But I, I think there's huge opportunities for uh, veterinary medicine to reach into people's homes. I mean, that's through right. telehealth. That's through sure. like a monitor, you know, monitoring distance, mm-hmm. um, data, data gathering, all sorts of ways of, um, you know, connect. And so the veterinarian is everywhere. The, right. the veterinary client patient relationship is constantly reinforced mm-hmm. through those, through those means. It's not like a, once or twice a year, Fluffy comes in and, right. and you know for uh, wellness uh, wellness examination. It, it's this constant, constant flow. Yeah, constant, mm-hmm. constant flow and constant connection and constant thinking about for clients right. uh, veterinary medicine. And if that then takes it, the veterinarians going physically to clients and right. to different communities. I mean, primary care skills and way of doing it is going to be the same right it's applied in a different setting which I, I think is really really important to for students to be able to think for very sure. laterally and and think about how to work with with different different clients and mm-hmm. communicate with different clients uh, I I think that's just a, a win-win for everybody absolutely um yeah another podcast we'll have to talk more about accessibility of yeah. veterinary medicine and you know as you mentioned um I mean we're so privileged here um that you know we've got community members um that choose to bring their animals here but you're quite right mm-hmm. you know what about the people that have uh don't don't have that access yeah. for whatever reason yeah. um and does that mean that they shouldn't have access right. and they should their pets shouldn't have good good health care mm-hmm. and I think that's a really really excellent question mm-hmm. yeah um Dr. Peter Conlon thank you so much for coming again to talk to us it's always a pleasure I hope you'll come back again and speak with us. Um, we always loved working with you and love chatting with you. Um, you're such a positive influence here, and uh, and you've touched so many so many hearts and and souls and brains. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks very much, Tiff. That's very kind. Excellent. And so thank you to our guests for joining us. If you would like to follow us, please do on Instagram at Vet Sessions. If you have any questions or you have any ideas for future podcasts, please email us at vetsessions at hotmail.com.